Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Today, I have the privilege of having Karen Briscoe here with me today. You've all heard of, maybe some of you have heard of, The Six Million Dollar Man. Well, it turns out she's the hundred million dollar woman. Karen, welcome to the program. Well, I love the idea of uh, chatting with your community on No Limit Selling, and you just gave my productivity number for 2020. So uh, happy to uh, to be here today. Happy to wear that crown. So you are an author. I love your uh, book, Flip Time, Love Life, because it seems to be at odds, right? We have uh, time. And because most people kind of mess up their uh, time management, they have no time to love life. They're always overstressed, overworked, and not loving life. Well, I actually came upon Flip Time Love Life at a time in my life when I actually was achieving a high-level success. I mean, what can happen is what happened with me is you look around and you go, is that it? Is there something more? And I have been a part of the Hal Elrod uh, Miracle Morning community for quite some time. And the one of his affirmations is to love the life you have as you create the life of your dreams. And I nice. have amended it a bit to to love the life you have as you create and co-create the life of your dreams. Because I, I discovered I wanted to, to be in co-creation with my people I care about and I love and the universe. Uh, so it's not just me. It's not the Karen Briscoe show. But it came out of this wanting more. And I went on this journey, this heroine's journey, the hero's journey. I'm sure you may be familiar with Joseph Campbell and his work on this call to adventure. And some, I sometimes call it the call to contribution or call to creativity. And this calling is what uh, took me down to the, the came to the flip time level. Interesting. When you said the heroin journey, I thought you were like Narcotics Anonymous, but that was yeah, not the case at all. The, the female <laughs> version of the of the hero's journey. We hear a lot about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Uh, the most, the most well known heroine's journey is uh, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. And if you think about it, she was unsettled on the inside. She actually wasn't happy in Kansas. Uh, she really wanted to leave, um, but she also had an exterior event. And that was this twister, right? That twisted up her life and dropped her into Oz. And then she went on this journey to find out that she had it inside her all along, uh, that she was, you know, that place of home is inside yourself. And she met people along the way, you know, friends, the lion, the uh, scarecrow and the tin man, but, and the, Glenda the Good Witch was a great mentor, um, but she also had some challenges along the way, right? <laughs> she met up with the, the Wicked Witch of the West and some winged monkeys and some tin man, I mean, monkeys. some uh, soldiers. So that monkeys, that journey, that journey is what I was on. I was unsettled. I knew there was something more that I was called more to do beyond productivity, which I was doing in spades. <laughs> I had that one figured out. Uh, so what I, I came to was that I was living life um, going up the pyramid of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. 
And you're probably familiar with that. So the basic needs of physical needs. And I, I uh, think about the early days of COVID. And if you think about the early days of COVID, what was everybody yes. in pursuit of? Toilet paper. I, you don't get more basic <laughs> human physical needs than toilet paper. And then the next level is uh, the um, safety security needs. And that has become very evident. That All right, that so is let's, a- let's back up a bit. Let's back up a yes. bit. Uh, hold, hold on for a second. Let's back up a bit. Okay, time up. So toilet paper was just a manifestation of what was going on. But people were yeah. really in that we're screwed, like really in that fight or flight. That I could lose my job. The economy is going down. People are dying. More people could die. And so it wasn't just the toilet paper. People had to hunker down and face their mortality or the mortality of their parents. And that is a lot of what the safety and security um, needs really became evident and still is. I mean, people are still very um, concerned, as they should be. I'm not throwing that out. I'm just saying that this is the way I was living my life and many people do. And then the next is, you know, your esteem needs, your relationship needs. Uh, yeah, we'll get there in a minute. Yes. The most important one is that basic one. Okay. So in your industry in real estate, really the sky was falling at the beginning part of the pandemic. And after a couple of months, it turned out to be the best real estate market ever. But tell me about the people you lead when everything stopped, where people didn't want you coming in their homes to do open houses. So tell me during that transition period, how you handled it. And more importantly, how you got the people that you lead to stay calm and say, it's going to be okay. Tell me about that. That is an excellent question. I have not been asked that one, but it's really very um, pivotal about or on how we handled it. So, I have been a part of some masterminding and a lot of you know coaching and training through the years. And one of the programs is called Changes um, with Michael uh, Christian Dietrich. I think is how you pronounce his name. Anyhow, he has these cards, and they go through the you know key aspects of change uh, that people mm-hmm. go through. And I said. What if we have a Zoom call every morning and we spend 15 minutes doing a check-in and we're going to do these cards and you don't have to answer if you're not there right now, if you want to just say pass, but it was an opportunity for us to check in. And then we did a balance of 15 minutes, just kind of like as a daily stand-up meeting as the state of the market and what we're doing. And that we, we did it for the we're in Northern Virginia. The stay-at-home orders for Virginia was three months, um, middle of March to the middle of June. Uh, we did it for 90 days. Um, at the end of the 90 days, I opened it up to continue, and everybody said, you know, we're good. But it was so transformative in binding us together, and we were all like, okay, we all have each other. <laughs> and so we- Yeah, that's huge. Our, Do you our, have community? Our, yes, we, create, we had a community already, but we did not have a community at that depth. And it opened up um, a safe place for everybody to share, first of all, what's going on in their life, and then to share ideas on how to create, (laughs) right? So the loving the life we have was we were being where we were in a very real place, but we were also creating and co-creating the life of our dreams because we still felt like we had um, a great opportunity to serve. We actually sold houses all through the pan- the uh, stay-at-home orders in Virginia. It was considered essential service. Um, it was mostly people that had a critical need, um, you know, their a death in the family or something that was compelling them to move. 
Okay, so but, but let's backtrack a little bit to uh, what you were saying, like having those cards. What's kind of interesting is this, is uh, just by asking the question, even if somebody didn't participate, their mind did. Like they have to figure out what the question is and automatically they start analyzing it and start answering it, whether they articulate or not. So as a leader, we have such immense power just by asking the questions. So one of the things that I do yeah, so is- Yeah, John Berghoff, who's- the, Yeah. No, no, please go on. So you do you do you do questions? Yeah, John Berghoff at the um, institute there at the Case Western University. He's the one that taught me that method. Um, and the idea is what you said is the question actually creates a new future um, because your brain actually creates it as you think about how to uh, respond to it. So it's very powerful. So I, I want to hear your experience with it. So what's kind of interesting is that there's supposedly reality out here, and then we have a representation of that. And you might describe the color of this pen different than me, describe the pen differently, just because you know your life experience creates different filters. But what's kind of interesting is I do this exercise where we have uh, maybe 12 people in a room, and I get somebody that's got some notion that they believe really, really strongly about. Could be abortion, whatever their stance is. Like nothing in the world is going to change this. This is the way it is. And I say, okay, so people around the room are going to suggest different ways of handling that. You don't have to answer. You don't have to respond. You don't have to like it. You don't have to love it. Just listen to it. And I get them to say, say your stance and then notice how you feel. And you can see the grip on their reality. And then the first person says, well, you know, you could think of it this way. And the person receives it, doesn't say anything. Then it goes to the next, the next, the next. By the time you get to the eighth person, you can just tell that their grip on what they thought was the only reality has loosened. That just by us interacting with each other, we change each other in fundamental ways. So tell me, you've written this book, Flip Time and Love Life. You've probably received feedback from people that have read it. What's some of the changes you've invoked in other people that have read the book? Well, so that what you just shared reminds me so much of the quote by Wayne Dyer, and that is change the way you look at things and the way you look at things changes. Uh, So it it is like the immediate, um, if you think about that image of the old woman and the young woman in the same, it's in the same, it's the same drawing, but they're both there. And it's your, my perception of what that is. And that's what, changed for me was when I changed the way I looked at things and I started to view it as a a heroine's journey. I was on this calling and it was a not a one and done. I'm again, very productivity oriented. So I was always like, okay, I'm checking that off. It wasn't a check off at all. It was a, it's in fact, the, the, the journey is described in in a kind of a circular fashion so that you come back bearing gifts and you go back out again on the calling. What I found is is that uh, a number of things, it, it is written in a woman's voice. Many of the hero stories are written in, in males. So many women respond, I yes. see myself in the story because it's more of a woman's story than it is a male story. Although uh, I've had men read it and go, wow, I... I see so many applications or I understand my, my wife or my significant other better or something. Um, but it, it, it leaves open the possibility that we, that this journey that we're on, uh, we have, you know, we have our own unique calling and how we set about on it and the people we meet along the way. Um, but the challenges we meet along the way too can turn into, to opportunities, which is much of the story. Yeah. 
One of the things you said was, you know, it's written in a woman's voice and women can relate to it. I was listening to this TV producer of some fame, I forget who, but a ton of shows out there. Uh, You know, if we have a popular show that doesn't have enough African-Americans watching it, next season we'll bring on an African-American actor on the show and those numbers will increase. Or if we want Asian-American, we'll bring Asian-American. It was like, oh my God, we have this need to see ourselves in the story. If that's not there, we may like it. But if we see ourselves in it, we love it. And isn't that interesting how human beings have not changed in a very, very long time? Well, and that's the power of story because I could have written it as a business book and I've written several business books. Uh, But the idea is when it's a story, then you can look at it as um, the allegory, the parable that it is rather than the myth is what a lot of stories are miss. And then it, it also has many opportunities for facets to it, right? So like you may see something different at a different place that you are on the journey uh, that you do the first time you read it. And that's why many, much of that literature is read over and over again, right? So absolutely. When, and what's kind of interesting is this is, oh, please go on. Well, no, I was just going to, we, we kind of, uh, got to the safety security and how that is such a key human need. Um, And when you were saying, well, what did I do with my team? I met that, helped them meet that need by building community, right? Because trying to pretend like nothing was going on was not going to be of value to anyone. And once they felt that need being met, then they were open to uh, the possibilities of what we could create. Um, and we we did create uh, some new ways of doing things, some ways we continue to do today. Some we're like, no, that was just for the season of that time. Um, but we became much more resourceful uh, because we were whole in ourselves because that safety was being met. Brilliant. Because I think that's the job as a leader is to lend your confidence to the people you lead. And by getting them to not focus on what the problem is, but kind of pull back a bit and see the opportunity. Uh, I was talking to Craig Northrup, who is like one of the uh, greats in real estate. And he was saying, this is the second best market he's ever seen in his career. Happened in 2020 and is still happening now. That there is opportunity out there. You just have to be able to see it. So as we move forward and we, uh, there's going to be a transition from where we are now to where we're getting to. And I'm not sure the real estate market is going to continue to grow as we move along. It may, it may not. But let's assume it's not going to grow in the way that it should. How are you preparing or preparing your people that if this eventuality happens, A, how will you recognize it? Like what would be the signs you'd be looking for? Because sometimes people go, holy crap, we're in like uh, really dire straits. And people that are great leaders have had these tripwires to look for signs that, hey, if this happens, I need to pay close attention. So do you have any tripwires out there and do you have any uh, processes in place if things start turning around, what you're going to do differently? Absolutely. Those are lots of great questions. So uh, the, uh, the current market is actually based on the safety security need, right? And mm-hmm. this is a basic human need. So it's going to last for a while. Um, people that are making decisions about housing, um, because we were in a demographic shift, to- the, the market was in a demographic shift. Basically, the baby boomers were downsizing, right-sizing. They were going more toward urban, and they were doing this live, play, work outside the home. Uh, pe- mm-hmm. COVID has completely yep. changed 
change that, live, work, play, educate, exercise, uh, entertain, everything is now inside the home. So the home is going to stay a key um, aspect to people's lives for quite some time. Mm -hmm. People are going to have very long-term memory on this. People still have very long-term memory on 9-11. Um, that met uh, that hit a safety security need. We we called it cocooning then. That was what was the beginning of the driving of the market um, in the early two thousands. And, and like Craig Northup, I this is the, the second best market I've ever seen. This is also uh, I've been through five recessions. So when you talk about well, what do you see when the market starts to correct? Um, although I do anticipate this is going to last for several years because that's what happened after nine eleven. We have all the signs that it's going to last for several nice. years for several reasons. One reason is purchasing power is so incredibly strong with the interest rates. Um, In fact, interest rates are being quoted in the two and a half percent right now. Just about three years ago, they were 5%. That's not quite double purchasing power, but think about it. I mean, prices could double and you still are basically spending the same amount of money. Um, Second of all, many markets haven't experienced appreciation for 15 years. The last time a lot of our market experienced appreciation was 15 years ago. We should have appreciation. Um, the, the other thing that's happening is a major demographic of the millennials. So the millennials are the largest generation ever. The baby boomers were the largest generation and they populated the millennials and the millennials are going to settle down faster than everybody anticipated. Everybody thought, oh, they're going to do that urban city living for a long time. Well, COVID changed all that. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, even my son, who's Mr. Urban, just bought a house on an acre in a suburb. Um, So that is huge because we anticipated that household formation and the millennials are forming households in droves. They're like, well, if I got to be you know, home, I want to be at home with the person I love and I want to get my dog and I want to go ahead and nest and they're nesting in droves. So this is going to last because the millennials are a big, big generation. So it's going to be, to me, a lot like what happened when the baby boomers were populating, when they were having children, when they were popular. And I think the, the millennials will have children because again, they're like, I, if I'm going to stay at home, I'm going to go do some fun things. <laughs> and so I anticipate that that it's going to last for a while. Now, what is going to shift it? And the same thing that shifts all markets, supply and demand. Supply and demand is like gravity. So currently, supply is at an all-time historic low. Uh, there's the main reason for Short that supply. is during... But the main reason is the market lost three months last spring. So three months is wi- uh, of the spring market, you know, March, April, May, and into half of June, uh, the people were not putting their houses on the market. They were only moving if there was a a very, you know, human critical need, right? Um, and so to get right. those people to move uh, required, you know, something pretty, dr- you know, dramatic in their life. So we, uh, we need... Um, first of all, to catch up from that lost inventory. And then we need more people to move. Well, the other end of the spectrum on the demographics is the seniors. And I've talked to a number of seniors and they're just not going to go to assisted living. I mean, at this point, they would probably in their life cycle be going to some sort of group housing. Now they may end up we're seeing a lot of people moving in with family, uh, which is meaning a bigger house or some sort of accommodations. Um, but they're they're not moving. 
at the levels that they normally do. And so that's slowing down uh, inventory, people putting their houses on the market that would have been putting their houses on the market. So when you start to see it, so first of all, you want a balanced market, obviously, which would be a six month supply of whatever you know, type of product mm-hmm. and location and pricing. And then when you start to see that there's more supply and demand and it consistently more supply and demand, then that's when it's going to start to shift. And that's what I look for. I track it, I track it monthly. <laughs> I'm always looking at the market and seeing which way it's going. And, and that's future casting and, and anybody can do it. And it's, um, it's very powerful to see and then advise the people that, that I work with. Brilliant, Karen. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed our conversation. And I see you have Rosie the Riveter behind you on the wall. I do. Which is, uh, you know, what's amazing is all the newer generations will not know who that is. And ah, well, uh, World War II. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and the same thing's going to happen uh, to them, stuff that they know. Three generations later, it'll be like, Tyler who? But Karen, thank you so much for being on the show. We're going to put all your uh, connections to your website, your books, your social media on the show notes. Any last piece of advice you want to leave people in uh, February 2021? Well, I'm glad that you pointed out Rosie's poster because it's there for a reason. And that is, if I can do it, you can too. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Karen. And I'm looking forward to our next conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 